This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. My guest here in studio <laughs> actually just telling me I'm a month behind. Barbara Masekela, thank you so much for joining me here in studio and on the station on Power 98.7. It's an absolute pleasure to have you uh, here uh, on on the Power 98.7 platform. Well, it's a pleasure for me to be here. And and here's the thing, you know, at this particular time also, you know, I would have I would have I asked for it and I said, please ask her if she can make it into the studio. Mm -hmm. And 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 um, because it just makes for a different kind of for a different kind of interview, you yeah. know, we, we can interact in, in, mm-hmm. in the way that we, we hear. And in fact, while we were talking off mic, uh, you said some things about your, your writing that I wouldn't have been able to, to have engaged with you had it, had it been a telephonic mm-hmm. and you were back at uh, where you are. Are you, are you in a good space? Are you, are you good? 82 years old. <laughs> Is it this year now in July? Yes. 82 years yes. old. Yes. yes. And let me, let, me, let me guess because I think I know some things about you. 27 years in exile. Nelson Mandela was 27 years in a prison cell. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's a similarity there. Mm-hmm. 18th of July. And uh, Nelson Mandela's birthday, mm-hmm. yours too. It used to be, but now it's <laughs> Nelson Mandela's birthday. Yes, you've taken over that particular. <laughs> you've taken over that that particular space. But you say for eighty-two, you're 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 in a good space. You're beginning to write. You you you're beginning to put your 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 um your thoughts, you know, in a in a in a row. And 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 you said something that when you when you walked in, you said you like your things in a particular way, you know. Mm-hmm orderly and 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 nice and 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 clear and clearly set out mm. Mm. yeah we're like i come from a generation where we had to do that mm. because uh we did not have uh, alarms on we didn't have phones and mm. alarms on them and reminders mm. so we had to remember mm. things and and do things right and you couldn't forget when you were in the grocery store, you couldn't forget to buy mm. salt or sugar because you can send somebody again to go quickly, mm. you know, because mm. you shopped once a month or sh- once a week, mm. you know, for and, the grocery. And all the distance, yeah, and all the yeah. distance also Long would have distance impacted. Long distance, and you had to carry it. Mm. So, um, and also life was unpredictable. Mm. It was very, our lives were very unpredictable. Now, mm. Uh, were crying over the unpredictability of the electricity. Mm. But then you you didn't know what would happen, whether you would get back home, mm. whether the parent you were with would get arrested on the way. Mm. You know, it, it was just uh, so you, you, you had to be prepared. And ready. it was a different type of unpredictability. Yes, yeah. yes. And so, for instance, uh, we... We're taught how to cook and wash, mm. and and uh, they knew our grandparents and our parents that we were going to be educated, mm. but they wanted us to learn how to do those things, including gardening, mm. just in case mm. we had to be maids mm. or work in the garden. Um, mm. You know, so we didn't have that uh, uh, luxury. Mm. 
of predictability. Yeah. Yeah. My parents kept me in the garden just to keep me out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> come, come school holidays, there was yeah. a roster planned and part yeah. of that was the gardening and, and I think it was to keep me out of trouble. <laughs> um, Barbara, Mr. Keller, I want to start... I want to start with somebody you call uh, Minky, mm-hmm. Mick, Mickey Mouse, in essence. And I want to, and 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 just to just get the confusion straight out, that is your brother Yuma Sakela. Mm-hmm. Where did you and why did you create a name linked to a particular cartoon character for him, Mickey Mouse, and 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 the name Minky? How does how does how do you get to that? I don't know how it happened, but mm-hmm. um, I guess the cartoons. Hugh was born in 1939, Mm. so comics, I mean, there were comic books at Mm, the time mm. that children read, and Mm. everybody was able to have access to comic books, Mm. so they must have seen Mickey Mouse Mm. and and how he behaved, Mm. and Hugh was a very naughty little boy, Mm. so they called him Minky, Mm. yeah, (laughs) yeah. Mm. So that's that's that's, that's the how. name. That's, that's that's the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I thought for a second it was your way of just getting back at him. Choose a cartoon character. And no, na- <laughs> no, no. I think that all of us um, mm. had 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 nicknames. Mm. You were never. You had your school name. Yeah. You know. Mm. But at home, they always had an affectionate way mm. of calling you. For instance, nobody called me Barbara. Mm. They called me Bobsy. Mm. And every. Everybody, you know, we knew mm. had a nickname, and that was uh, his nickname. Mm. So, it- the name Barbara has has a really, really good um, meaning for for me in my space. Why? And my mom was called Barbara. Okay, and we called her Babs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they <laughs> call me Babes, Bobsy, mm. Babaribo, yeah. mm. everything, you mm. know. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. Can I can I ask you and I'm going to start the conversation there and then move on. But mm-hmm. but but um you know, it's it's the the relationship between you and your brother is 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 a close one. You mention him in the book, you call him um Minky related to Mickey Mouse. But you know, we here on on this particular platform, we we did a musical tri- tribute to him. I did a musical tribute to him, and and in part of the times that I would have had the, the very few times I would have actually seen him and spoken to him, because uh, you couldn't really access him. He was all over the world and doing stuff. He he said to me, you know, he was not afraid of death, mm-hmm. and you spent that particular time with him. Was was he in that frame of mind when when it was time? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. But he loved life very much. So mm. he never gave up mm. to the last minute, you know, he thought he would recover. Mm. So and he was just that kind of person who would not give in. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Did you know? Well, if you have prostate cancer, then mm. you know that you're going to die if it's at a certain stage, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you miss him? I mean, it's a rhetoric question. It's a very rhetoric rhetoric question. (laughs) I think I'm. I think I'm trying to ask is how deeply do you miss him? I mean, you know, 2018 is not that far long ago for for somebody you would have known a lifetime. Well, I think I miss him less as time goes on because he he. He is not really gone from mm. us. He's, you know, last week uh, my niece and my son mm. went to New York mm. 
to accept a, a prize yes. for I saw him. That. He was inducted mm. into the Lincoln Center, the uh, Ertegan um, mm. Hall of Fame for jazz musicians. Mm. And when I walk in the street, people ask me, are you Hugh Masekela? Are you Brahu's sister? You look like him. Mm. Um, if I turn on the radio, I hear his music. Mm. So... Um, uh, people loved him so much, and uh, he was such a, a powerful personality. Mm. And his music will live forever. Mm. And um, yeah, he's everywhere. I mm. we can never forget him. Absolutely, be- because people don't forget him. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go to the book a little bit. Um, mm. You you he gets to spend time with the family, mm-hmm. you get to spend time with the grandmother, mm-hmm. and you write about that, and you write about you know how that particular element shapes you. Can I can I read something to you? Yeah, I'm going to read something from the book. It says, "I was never where I wanted to be. Uh, it started in my childhood. I didn't want to be in Woodbank when uh, with my grandmother. I wanted to be with my parents, uh, and then." I was with my parents, and then I was sent to boarding school, and I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, In in the beginning, that particular space between yourself and you, Masekela, Mm -hmm. and you speak about a a bit of a rivalry. Um, I think all siblings have a rivalry. Yes, because you're older. You're older or you're younger, but yeah. siblings have a rivalry. Mm. So it, it's, not, it, it's, it's a natural competition. Mm. It's for affection of the parents or mm. whoever is there. It's uh, to show, you know, who is cleverer, mm. who come, becomes number one at school. Mm. So mm. It, it's a normal childhood thing to, to, to have that kind mm. of competition and rivalry but uh my brother was always bigger than life mm. and when he was very young my parents took him to take piano lessons mm. so everybody thought he was a genius because he could play the piano mm. Mm. Uh, um, and then later on of course i suppose even a, if, even if he played it badly they would yeah. go, they would go wow well i think that. that it's like that in most <laughs> african families you know in our day when there were visitors you were sometimes asked to come and recite a poem mm. for the visitors or do a dance and i mean it was such a pain but you mm. did it and you know and everybody said, oh, well done, and so on, you know. So mm. it, it was just, uh, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Let, let, me, let me start then with, and I'm going to start with aspects of the book. Mm-hmm. Growing up with the grandmother, you have particular visions of her. You have particular realities of her. You have a particular um, way of talking about how as a child and, and that particular extract that I read, how mm. you just didn't want to be there. And then you, at some point, talk about, in in interviews as well, you talk about, you know, the fact that this is something in African culture that we we assume is the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's not. Mm -hmm. And it's not right sometimes for them as as grandparents, and sometimes it's not right for the children, and sometimes it is. It just Mm -hmm. works. Mm -hmm. It didn't seem to be right for you because... You, you seem to speak about that and you seem to speak about the distance and the age gap between yourself and the grandmother and how you would have 
not just because of the distance of the age, how you would have preferred the closeness of parents? Well, I think all children want to be with their parents. Mm. It's not, I think, even today. Mm. Uh, I, I think that um, we make... It's like women like to be looked after, but women like to be strong, right? Mm. Right. Uh, but they don't have to be strong all mm. the time. They yeah. don't have to be expected to be tough in Bogoto. <laughs> you know, you hold the knife by the sharp hand. Why? Mm. Mm. You know, so uh, it's like that with children, too, that they want to be with their parents. Mm. And uh, I think if you had to choose between Whitbank uh, or Standerton or Ermelo and and Johannesburg, mm. you would choose Johannesburg. Yes, you true. know, you would choose the bright lights, you know, mm. or you... You choose Cape Town if you came from that area or mm. Durban. So, uh, because that's where things were happening. Mm. And you did not imagine that it was as dull and pedestrian as mm. Whitbank, mm. where you were with grannies and other children, mm. you know. So, uh, I, I think that, um, yeah, children ought to be with their parents. Mm. They ought to be. Mm. And grandmothers are ought to be free. Grandmothers, yeah, they're supposed to see their grandchildren from time to time, but they're not supposed to be full-time nannies. Mm. You know, carrying babies on their backs, trying to feed them, etc. Because they've done that already Mm. with their children. Mm. But I think that with life in South Africa under apartheid and so on, and even now, Mm. life is so hard for people that they don't choose that they don't want to be with their children, but it's just the reality. But we Mm. should not act as though it's Mm. a natural thing. And it's a normal thing. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, Yeah. it's not a normal thing. Society, a broken society leads us to that. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's quite, you know, some people have asked me, did you, why did you ever forgive your grandmother Mm. for for being so hard and so on? And Mm. I think it's nonsense because um, my whole book, Mm. is about how I learned to love my grandmother. And she became the closest person to me. And you do say that in the book. And and, and I think that, um, you know, those are not things... As a child, you're not aware what is happening. Mm. But you you miss your parents and uh, you you think maybe somebody is cruel, Mm. but you don't think... Of them, what are they? I mean, it must be awful Mm. to be over 50. And and there you're just faced with the children all the time that mm, you have mm. to raise, and uh, we and, and, and the responsibility yeah, of and that. The responsibility. It, comes, it's, it is serious yeah. responsibility. Yeah. And you remember, these people did not have TV; they didn't mm. even have radio. Uh, mm. So you were just with a child all the time. Mm. Uh, there were no nursery schools and so on, you mm. know. Uh, and it's hard, and we saw it, um, and I think we don't talk about it now, but we saw it um, during the time at the highest time of the AIDS uh, mm. uh, pandemic, yeah, you know, yeah. where uh, grandmothers suddenly were mm. faced with the reality 
of having to look after children, mm. raise small children. Yeah, because parents were yeah, dying. And you can't run after the children. You yeah. can't, you know, you can't throw them into the air. Sometimes mm. you can't even pick them up. Mm. But you have to, you're forced to look after three or four or five children. Mm. So I think what has happened with oppression is that it has made us think that it is normal. Mm for these situations to exist. But in reality, it's not true. Mm. You know, everybody wants to have uh, an easy... Mm. We don't have to do the Bogoto thing all the time. Yeah. yeah. Barbara, let's take a break. It's 23 minutes past nine o'clock. I want to then get to all the other aspects. And I want to talk just about... Uh, women as well. I mean, in your book, you, you you don't speak directly to it, but one gets a sense then of the space that women occupy in 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 society and a book. Well, I think I do mm. because I think that I talk about the lot of women from mm. colonial time, my yes. grandmother to to the present yes. time. That again, it's something that is taken. For granted. for granted. It's 26 minutes past nine o'clock. Sitting down, of course, with Denzel Taylor is Barbara Masekela, South African poet, activist, South Africa's former ambassador to uh, um, to the U.S., to France, various other positions. And, I'll, and, I've, and I've just got a list of some of the things that uh, places uh, she would have done. Um, she would have visited Ghana. She, she was in the U.K., New York in 1965, Zambia. Uh, also, then California with her brother in the 80s, uh, joined the anti-apartheid movement, in, uh, move, went to Lusaka. The 90s uh, uh, works then with Nelson Mandela, who makes his visit to the U.S., is part of that particular visit. And then, of course, uh, he asks her to be head of state in the office and then also uh, then ambassador to France and then ambassador to the U.S. as well under Thabo Mbeki. And so a lot, a lot under your belt. And I looked at your CV today. Uh, <laughs> I looked at your CV today, and um, and I think it was when uh, somebody had nominated you for the board of the SABC. And what Parliament does is it slaps your CV onto onto the social media space, mm -hmm. and and there it was, and and very direct and very prompt. It's just like Barbara Masakella, and then it's about one page, you know, just with all of those those particular accolades and things. Barbara, the issue of women, and, and you started talking about that space where African women in particularly almost seemingly have a role to play that's sometimes not chosen for them. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the hard role. It's the punishing role. Mm -hmm. It's the strong role. It's the role that says there's an expectation to that particular role. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, in, in a society that's normal, um, maybe, you know, that's too harsh a, a, a role and too harsh, and, and I almost don't want to say it, but almost too harsh an expectation. I mean, they live up to that particular role, mm -hmm. but we shouldn't almost demand of it. Mm -hmm. We should see the beauty. We should see the softness. We should see the laughter. We should see the, you know, the, br the brightness in the eyes and, and the contribution mm -hmm. equally made to society mm -hmm. and to families and all sorts of structures. Mm -hmm. what, what happens with the apartheid system, do you think, around what it does to the image of a black woman? Well, I think that under apartheid, the women, women were uh, the lowest on the totem pole. Mm. You know, they came. Mm. Uh, and I think that uh, 
one 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 has to take into account too that South Africa is a patriarchal society. Mm. And that especially among the African-speaking people, mm, mm. patriarchy was very, very strong. Mm. And that patriarchy is a customary thing mm. in African society. Could I, could, I, could I put it to you as you say that, that the one thing in common then, if you just said that, the one thing in common then that black absolutely. people and white people oh, would have yes, is patriarchy. Comes, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Because uh, if you look at it, uh, mm. that's the way that it is, except that what happens then is that on the on the part of mm. the oppressors, mm. their women are very high on the pedestal. Mm. They place womanhood, mm. Mm. you know, all those things that have to do with womanhood, they place it at uh, a very, on. they place their mm. women on a pedestal, which mm. is not real mm. either, mm. because when you are in a, on a pedestal, there's not much that you can do. Yeah. You know, you yeah. have to just sit there, you, you know, so that you part don't of the fall mm. from the pedestal, you mm. know. So what they have in common, what you have in common is that uh, women are the underdogs, mm. but black women were lowest. Mm. Because, unfortunately, in South Africa, to make things worse, white women got the vote before, mm. you know. Yeah. But but they didn't. Uh, it was late in the day. But they got it before the black men did. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So so, is that story written in 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 our historical context? The story of black women, and I want to get to the story of of women in exile a little later because you've brought a you've brought a very interesting book to the studio as well, Gorillas and Combative Mothers, Women and the Armed Struggle in South Africa. And I think uh, Sipokazi uh, Magadla, it's mm. an it's a new book. Yeah, it's, it's a very new yeah, book. It's a yeah. new book and I want to get to that particular mm-hmm. phase. Have have we spoken honestly and and truly and respectfully conveyed that particular story of black women and the role they've played next to uh, uh, men. And, and, and generally, we, we put the men on these pedestals and we give them the acknowledgement of the political space and the economic space and whatever. But the story of black women in the apartheid era uh, and how they held things together never really has been properly told. And, 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 I, and I want to relate it to something maybe that you said. You said at one point, you said, worse is the story that is untold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that, you know, it, it starts really with my grandmother, mm. uh, because I think if you can imagine how hard it was for women in the 50s and the 40s, and the th- you mm. can imagine mm. how much worse it was in mm. the 1800s sure. when they were children, mm. you know. And uh, and I think when you come to the issue of women, it's it's a double-sided issue because on one level you have to admit that women all over the world mm. were given a lesser position. True. So if you were under colonialism or under slavery, you can imagine how worse, far worse, mm. it was. You mm. know, compared. You know, to the white woman, mm. for instance. Mm. Yeah. So, the story of 
So in as much as the whole world began to sit up and reconsider mm. the position of women and the equality of women in the 60s, 70s, 80s, mm. so we in the liberation movement also, mm. you know, were governed mm. by the historical context mm. Uh, of, uh, you know, women, yeah. you know. So um, it was not uncommon, mm. you know. So South African men, black and white, did not invent the oppression of women. It's a system it's the, yeah. that has, you know, mm. been uh, in place for a long time. And it's that patriarchal yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, it's a patriarchal mm. system. Mm. Uh, but... Um, yeah, the story of women is is only being told now. Mm. You know, um, a few weeks ago on February twelfth, uh, I organized together with uh, other women, including people like uh, Eleanor Sisulu. We organized yeah. the Johannesburg F Women Writers Festival. Oh, brilliant! At um, the Johannesburg. Johannesburg Festival of Women Writers, mm. which was uh, sponsored by the University of Johannesburg. Yeah. And um, we advertised the whole conference because we had more than 20 um, writers, mm. women writers at, at that conference. Uh, mm. And we had, uh, you can look at the program here that we had. We had uh, discussion groups. We expected to have 40. We expected to have 250 women. Mm. And more than 400 women came. Oh, wow. And they were young. They were women between the ages of 18 and 60. Mm. Of all colors. People. And they had all come to the workshops that we had on 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 women uh, on women writers and, and women writers yeah. wanting to write a book or had written some a book? had mm. written books some had published their own books mm. some wanted to to write books some were in book clubs which is something we are very happy about that it's something that's growing in South Africa mm. more and more people are forming women's uh, clubs reading clubs you mm. know because we want to have a reading nation. This is not a reading nation. And if you go to the bookshops, the big bookshops, what you see mm. is titles by, 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 by mostly overseas authors. We have a small section of South African fiction, mm. South African nonfiction, but the whole bookstore mm. is all about other writers. And there's a little excitement when a book comes out for about a month or so, then everybody forgets about it, mm. you know. So we, we were trying to promote mm. the sales of books. We, we were trying to promote the notion of a reading nation. Mm. And that people must write. Yeah, and that people must write, mm. and that people do write. You know, mm. they write obituaries, mm. they they write wedding stories, they write. They mm. you know they don't write letters anymore. Mm. You know, mm. but they do write, and they can write. Uh, uh, 
But um, yeah, so we want that, you mm. know, to I happen. I see. I'm, you, I'm looking at the program, and it is woman, woman, woman. I'm looking yeah. at Pumzile Mlambunguka. Yep. I'm looking at Barbara Masekela. I'm looking at uh, who was I looking at just now? Eleanor uh, Sisulu. Everybody seems to be here. Sarah Godswell is here. Sarah Key is here. Mm. Jackie Pomozo is here. Gail mm. Schimmel is here. I mean, everybody. Uh, mm. uh, Luando Glasso is here. Okay, so yeah, women in one room. Yeah, yeah. It that was a that must be powerful. It was a powerful event, and we hope that it can be repeated every year. Mm. And so far, the University of Johannesburg is showing. Mm. is assuring it, us mm. that they would Anyone like it to, 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 to have it happen again. Barbara, you don't bump into um, the liberation movement then, sort of uh, by chance. I mean, everything is leading you to a place where uh, there is something happening in the country and there is a beginning, there is a resistance to it. And so your journey obviously is beginning to take you to a place where uh, you're beginning now to think about how you engage the system and how you engage the system, and you and you begin to 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 bump into interesting people um, in 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 the ANC, uh, so to speak. Is that a natural journey for you, or does it coincidentally happen? I've always engaged the system. I think mm. <laughs> in one way or the other, mm. and. Uh, uh, I've always been in culture because when I worked for the ANC mm. in 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 exile and in Lusaka in particular, mm. I was uh, the secretary for arts and culture for the ANC. I've always believed mm. in ambassador the arts at large. And, uh, yeah. uh, arts and culture. I think it's a very very important aspect mm. of transformation mm. because it's an opportunity for people to not only learn mm. about themselves, but to derive pleasure because also it involves the performing arts, mm. it involves the crafts. And I have always believed mm. that, especially because my dad was a, an artist, my father yes. was a sculptor. Was a sculptor so yes. we were raised in a home where culture was very, very important. And I mm. believe to this day that culture is one of the most important mm. transformers of society. Mm. And I think children should learn how to swim. Mm. They should have playgrounds. They should play chess. Mm. They should play all kinds of sports. They should learn drama. Mm. Uh, because in that way, they acquaint themselves mm. with the cycle of life. Yeah. But they also acquaint themselves with creativity. Mm. Uh, uh, and it's an entry mm. into other societies as is that, well. Is that what takes you overseas? Does the struggle take you overseas? Does the passion for arts and culture take you overseas? Does the yearning to advance as a young woman take you overseas, where you begin to be an activist overseas and you begin to, to live a life no, overseas? Was, what takes you overseas? I, I, I think 
that I was a South African girl who was growing up under apartheid. Mm -hmm. And as a young woman, I saw people being detained. Mm -hmm. I heard about torture. I read about it. I saw the, the, the political organizations being Banned. Mm. Uh, I saw people uh, the, uh, organizing the bus boycotts, the Patco boycotts in Alexandra Township. Mm. Um, I saw the Freedom Charter in Clip Town being, you know. Yeah. So I grew up in a very politically active mm. uh, uh, environment, environment. Mm. and so all South Africans did. And mm. in the book, I also talk about the fact that when you were in school, mm. you know, there were teachers mm. who taught you things for you to pass exams. Sure. But then you always found that among those teachers, there would always be a teacher mm. who taught you about the necessity to liberate yeah. the country, who taught you about where we came from, mm. who our, our, our kings were, how we came to be conquered, mm. and why it was necessary for us not to think of ourselves as victims, mm. but as active people who were going to play a role. And one of the things, of course, that mm. was very greatly emphasized when I was growing up mm. was education. Mm. Education was very, very important. And all these grandmothers who had not had an opportunity to mm. have an education, mm. they made sure mm. that we went to school Every day, mm. just I think as as generations today do it. Yeah, you know uh, when you see the amounts of people who are heading into our universities, mm -hmm. every single parent who doesn't have or didn't get the opportunity Absolutely. to get education. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think first and foremost on their mind yeah. is to get their sons and daughters, mm -hmm. you know, that education that they didn't because. Ultimately, the, um, it leads to it leads to an upliftment of that entire that entire family. Mm -hmm. it lives it 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 leads to an upliftment of of a community. Ultimately, that's what education does. Yeah, but also we had great respect for educators in mm -hmm. our society. Although we were oppressed and we were mm -hmm. living in poor conditions, mm -hmm. there was always the school principal, the teachers, mm -hmm. the staff nurse, mm -hmm. uh, and they were respected people mm -hmm. in the community. Everybody went to them mm -hmm. to get advice. And I was particularly lucky because my parents were educated. They, my father was a health inspector and mm. my mother was a Health inspector in the mines, yeah. No, no, in Alexandra In Alexandra Township. Township. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mother was a social worker. She went to the John Hofmeyer School of Social Work yeah. early in early, early days, mm. you know. So she was one of the early people to study social. Mm. So we grew up in that environment where education was highly... Mm. you know, sought after. Mm. Mm -hmm. when, when you're overseas and you begin to look at the system, you're looking back at the system now, mm -hmm. wh what is it that you, you begin to, to try to do? Is it, is, it, is it part of the program where you begin to engage in the sports, arts and culture boycotts 
of the country now that you come from Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 you were part of that engagement in a large sense because everybody just looked at South Africa and wanted to blacklist it. Mm-hmm. You know, Maria Makeba tried, you Masekela, you know, you yourself, and so many others who would have gone into exile mm-hmm. would have wanted to make sure that nobody dealt with South Africa in a pretty normal way. Uh, you spend a lot of time in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, the United States at that particular time towards South Africa, do you find it an environment that assists you in the kind of messaging you then have, in the kind of resistance you want to play? Yeah, well, you know, the the, the thing is when, you, when we say the United States or the United Kingdom, mm. also, we're talking about the government mm. and what... Yeah, a particular government yeah, at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 what was realized by the ANC very early, and and Oliver Tambo was an absolute genius for mm. thinking about this, mm. to say that we have to deal with the people mm. who vote for these leaders. Mm, mm. There is a distinction between the government and mm. the. And, 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 the and, people. and the people. And our task as cultural people, cultural workers, as politicians, was that we had to seek out the people mm. to assist us mm. in getting their governments mm. to break with the racist government of South Africa. Mm. And, and, and Infiltrate, and, if you must. Yeah, yeah. So whether we were at university on the stage like Miriam, Mm. uh, whether we were studying music, whatever we were doing Mm. abroad, as uh, South Africans, Mm. our task was to change Mm. the people of that country, to put pressure on their governments Mm. to stop their dealings with South, with South Africa, and we succeeded. Mm. We succeeded. Succeeded in, in, to the extent that you come home, because yeah, Nelson absolutely. Mandela is then released, yeah, yeah. and you come home. And, and, much- and the campaign to, to release Nelson Mandela mm. also becomes an over... Because these people are saying what they are doing to the people in South Africa is a crime mm. against humanity and it's a crime against ourselves. Mm. So we take up the cudgels with them and there's a call all over the world, release mm. Nelson Mandela and all political prisoners. Mm. You know, and there are thousands, the divestment, mm. you know, mm. are programs, they students all over the world you know, force their university to disinvest Mm. in South Africa. So wherever we were, Mm. whether it was the trade unions, the churches, all the professional bodies, we worked through them Mm. to get them to pressure their governments to pull out from Mm. the partnership with the racist government. Mm. But you're you're ideally placed at that particular time Mm. because... You, you're in the U.S. and you're spending time in the U.S. and Nelson Mandela, before I think he becomes president or when he is president, then visits the United States. Mm-hmm. And, and you're then that particular person mm-hmm. who then must almost land him softly in that environment because you know the environment. 
Yeah, well, I was in the advanced team mm. to to prepare for uh, Dr. Mandela's uh, trip, you mm. know, first trip to the uh, United States. Mm. I don't think I helped him to land there. I think he was such a star. <laughs> By the but time I, he came out, he landed course, softly. He anyway. landed himself. You know, we just <laughs> helped with a parachute or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and so much so. To the extent that um, he comes back and he says, "Barbara, would you be my chief of staff?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so in in some instance, you you must have paid. Mr. You, Mandela you, would you, never say so. He said, you, you, "I want to work with you. Will you work with me in mm. the office?" Because so, he so was you, a very humble man. So you did the... something to that parachute that he liked. <laughs> then. <laughs> That he obviously liked. Uh-huh. So, so there you are with, with of course, Nelson Mandela, and um, and you're spending this this time with him, and 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 it's a time of him coming out of prison, and there's still the euphoria and whatever mm. and whatever. And what is it then about the man? There, there was always the man that you had been fighting for, who was in prison, mm-hmm. but now he's here. And you, his chief of staff, and he's released, and he's beginning to take up the reins of, of governance and or power, and change is happening. Do you perceive him differently? Do you do you see him as still the the person who was in in prison? How how do those two pictures collide? I think that um, Nelson Mandela was a symbol, mm. you know, of. Of the liberation struggle, mm. so um, uh, he happened to have a wonderful personality, mm. you know, uh, a very uh, great visibility, nobility, mm. and all dignity and courage, mm. which which he had, which had been cultivated over the years mm. that he was he and others, but I think. He never thought of himself as an individual, but he he always he represented mm. all the other political prisoners, mm. like Sisulu Mbeki, mm. uh, um, mm. and uh, Mujaledi, you know, and all the other political prisoners. Mm. Uh, uh, so even if you look at the literature of the time, it says Nelson Mandela, free Nelson Mandela, and mm. all political prisoners. Mm. So it was about all. It was about struggle mm. in South Africa and not a cult mm. of the personality. Mm. We, we happened to have somebody who was able to stand out mm. Because of his courage, his humanity, etc. Mm. But at the same time, there had been other people like Oliver Tambor, uh, who who had set the stage, mm. who ran the campaigns, yeah. who managed the campaigns. Many, many, many people like that. Yeah. Mm. But but he, you know, while you while you're in exile and you're fighting for for the end of apartheid. He is that image of the struggle. He is that symbolism absolutely, of the struggle. Absolutely. And suddenly he's alive and next to you and, mm-hmm. and, and he's human. Mm-hmm. What is it that you suddenly begin to realize? Is, is there a change of perception? Is there a change? And, because now you're dealing with him as a human being. 
mm-hmm. and he has failures mm-hmm. and he 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 has what to... failures <laughs> what failures are you talking about <laughs> and he's a man after all mm-hmm. and he has failures and and he he has to negotiate a very very tricky environment mm-hmm. um do you do you find when you're dealing with this particular personality now this particular individual that you still have the same image of him when he was absolutely. in prison absolutely mm. absolutely nothing changes for you absolutely because what it is 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 the context of mm. the situation and i think you have to consider what the conditions were for everybody mm. um when he came out of prison mm. and and that we were all uh threatened i mean everybody said there was going to be a bloodbath in south africa mm, you know mm. nobody believed that we would go through and it was through him and his colleagues mm. ourselves you mm. know that the path was steered mm. to the point of the negotiations and to the point of 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 elections mm. and even then mm. even as we were negotiating towards the elections i mean there was a great deal of mayhem and violence taking mm. place mm. and it was because of the manner in which the leadership path was steered mm. that we were able mm. to get to 1994 april when we voted Mm. and that was the most important thing mm. that we should because that was what we were fighting for mm. that everybody had a right to choose mm. and that they we, we we had to have the right to elect our leaders yes yes a difficult question and an unfair question yeah. and i'll put it to you straight out difficult and unfair question a lot of people look back at that particular time in history and say of the people who were negotiating our freedom with of course the apartheid system and the apartheid system what we knew what it was mm. um they could have done more could have well, put a lot more on the table because when they look at their situations today and I do want to get into that particular space with you after the news bulletin when they look at their situations today and and a lot of it sometimes stems from a negotiated point and then there are those and 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 we have moved all along a lot of people look back at that particular point and say you know a lot more could have been done by the liberators of that time the mm-hmm. negotiators of that time maybe just to 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 put more demands or more pressure um and and not maybe to have settled in the way they settled mm Well hindsight you mm. know it is is always easy mm. in in to look back and say it should have been like this and mm. like that like that all i know mm. is that um there were so many things that faced the liberation movement mm. you know mm. there was violence on the ground there was the need you know to get prisoners out of jail mm. there was a need to get the apartheid system out mm. uh and all these de- there was a need to work on the economy it was a vast array mm. you know of things and 
You could not bring about change if you did not have stability. Mm. One of the most important things during that period was to have stability, to continue to negotiate, to get to, to, to the point where you can get an agreement that takes you forward. And hopefully, mm. because you have the power, mm. then, then, you will change then you will change the, things. Yeah. Uh, and and, and I, I have to say this, too. And, 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 and it's a tricky thing to say. Mm. But I have to say that, you know, I mean, what negotiations took place during the Anglo-Boer War? Mm. Have we ever suffered the same kind of uh, 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 violence and pain, you know, mm. of war. Mm. I mean, war like war like we read about Yemen, mm. like yeah. we read about Ukraine, mm. like you know, with bombs flying. Have we? You mm. know, we we we. And I'm not, I'm not undermining the suffering, mm. but I'm saying saying that uh, the if Nelson Mandela and his team of people mm. had not negotiated a settlement, mm. you know, we, 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 we wouldn't have buildings standing. Mm. It was, it, at some point, it the was... Alter, the alternative was going yeah, to be something it's else. it's the scorched earth. It, there was a, a, an alternative that either we have peace mm. or we have a scorched earth policy, mm. which would destroy everything. Mm. And we would have to start all over again. Mm. And, and I think that a lot of people don't understand that. Work with the little you have rather than with nothing. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Barbara Masakela, it is one minute to the top. Well, it's almost 10 o'clock right now. That's my guest, Barbara Masakela. And uh, yes, um, poet and activist and ambassador and mom and woman and everything and and author and everything let me just ask you in as in a sentence poly 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 and the meaning really of that the meaning we used to call the ladybug right we used to call it poly 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 and because we were living with our grandparents yeah. and away from our parents mm. we believed that if we gave a message to Poli Poli, mm. it would take the message to our parents. Oh, brilliant. So we would pick Poli Poli mm. from the, and put it and say, Poli Poli, please tell my mother to come and visit me for Christmas. Right. Tell then, my mother that I love her. And, you and we go. believed that Poli Poli flew and took the message. My guest is Barbara Masakela, South African poet, activist, South Africa, former ambassador, novelist, mother, uh, woman. Um, and yeah, continue, continue, continue. That is, of course, the interview. I'm going to read you something from uh, Barbara Masakela's book, and then I'm going to ask her to read me something. Uh, in Polly Polly, and you've just now understood what that meaning of the book means the name of that particular book she has written and I'm assuming it is volume one because there are so many other chapters she's shaking her head and saying absolutely it's volume one 
There's so many other chapters that are not in that particular book that, of course, we need to get to. Well, an, ex- an extract from that particular book. My grannies, my grannies and sisters closed up and bound together in a past that was engulfed in an alien greed for land, for labor, and for overall domination that negated every human aspiration to a life of dignity for Africans. But worse is the story that is untold. Of female people like them, born into an unforgiving triumphalism, to remain victims of patriarchy, joined to a a colonial conquest, unbashedly racist. They played the unsung role that guaranteed the emergence of every new generation since the first white man found his feet on African soil. They are the great secrets of history and have enjoyed the least attention for their supreme exercise in survival. That's an extract of the book. Barbara, I'm going to ask you to read something for us. Okay. I'm going to read about my granny, my Oma. Uh, And um, I know now that I was raised by a well-meaning woman, a passionate lover, maimed but unbowed by unrequited love or perhaps make-believe. I wonder if her fulsome prayers are also her way of telling me part of the story of her life. Or maybe she is just transported by the lonely silence wrapped in the quiet of a woman alone in the company of a sleeping child and the flame of a candle. I lie still, waiting for her to speak to her God alone at 10 o'clock at night. Lying in my bed with a lumpy choir mattress, pretending to be fast asleep, I wait. That is how I learn that Walter is a bounder who left her with two young children. My mother never speaks about her father to me. I never ask. What I hear from Oma's bedtime prayers is is at times overtaken by an overpowering drowsiness. And when I wake up in the morning and I, I have to look away from her naked face, afraid that I might see the traces of the silent tears fallen on her bosom. Wow. In, in about a minute, why did you choose that part? Because, again, there's the whole Oma thing. Mm. So Oma is supposed to take care of you, nurture you. She's, you know, in charge and mm. everything. Mm. But what you don't know is what is inside. Because we're talking about a 50-year-old woman mm. who is now, whose life is over practically mm. and mm. who's had a terrible childhood, mm. you know. Uh, who is that person? Why are they so hard? Why are they so strict? Mm. We never think they are lonely, mm. that uh, they're still at the prime of their life. I mean, if I'm today when you're 50, you're mm. a young person, mm. you know. Uh, so. Um, I mean, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's how I would know Oma the person mm. when I was listening to her praying, mm. because then she would 
just let it all out. Mm. Her frustration, her pain, her loneliness, mm. the unfairness of life. And most women, when they pray at night, that's, mm. that's, what, that's when they relieve themselves of the anger. They're not actually praying. They, they're really railing and fighting against mm. God to say, why, why, why? Mm. Why me? Why is my life like that? You're you're a South African, mm-hmm. and 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 I mean, and I say that not because I don't know that. Mm. I say that because I want to ask you a particular question around today. When you say the loneliness, the frustration, the raging, mm-hmm. the disappointment, the the anger, and and when that is reflected today, and. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a terminology used. Service delivery is the terminology that we use. And service delivery not reaching far enough. And service delivery not reaching, you know, um, the, the ones who are in need the most. Mm-hmm. And, and next to that, we have the same liberation movement of the Nelson Mandela's, of the Owatambos, of that and that particular vision that you speak so fondly of. And today, when you begin to look at people and their dreams and how they reflect and look at the space that they are in, they are angry. And, and they feel that, and sometimes to the extent that someone actually begins to say to you, Barbara, I wish it just was the old system again. That's sad to hear, but we're in a moment of that kind. What do you, what do you say to, to, to that particular space? How do you judge the, the present day versus the past and, and, and pre? Well, I think it is sad, mm. you know, because I think everything that was done by the Mandelas and the Sisulus, uh, they didn't do it for themselves to be rich, mm. you know, to have money, to get on first class, you know, uh, ticket seats and, mm. you know, they they. they genuinely did it because they wanted to change the lives of people, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, they genuinely believed that they could. And it is possible because we are one of the richest countries mm. in, you know, on the continent mm. and even in the world. Mm. We don't lack resources. We don't lack resources. We... We have the oppressed people of this country worked so hard. They are the ones who built these cities mm. and these monuments that are all over South Africa. So indeed, it, it's a very, very sad time that mm. uh, uh, for for all of us as South Africans. And mm. um, and uh, uh, I, I, I don't think you know when when we speak. As older people, I'm 82 mm. years old, and when mm. I speak to other people who are my contemporaries, we say, "Hey, but did how 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 did we become a country of thieves, mm. of people who were greedy, of people who think of themselves only, who don't care what happens to the country as long as they can go in and 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 enjoy themselves with material things mm. but then i you know we talk a, a lot about a lot of things but there's something that used to happen when i was growing up mm. that we used to buy second hand 
stuff, mm. you know, mm. and uh, it was stolen stuff. Mm. But it was common in every area where there were people of color mm. to buy though not second hand they were not second and they were called back door mm. you know back, mm, back door yeah mm. everybody bought back door mm. fellow for truck yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah and and i wonder sometimes you know hasn't that you know hasn't that been twisted now mm. and is something that is our affecting our own because we are stealing from ourselves mm. and making the majority of our people suffer sure. you know Barbara, because mm. the 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 sewage in the street the lack of lights the you know the broken schools mm. are the commission all of that mm. is big much of that is because it's not that we did not have the money but it was stolen mm. and it was not used you know for the for what it was intended for and what kind what have we done you know mm. it's a sad moment in history mm. i'm sorry for everybody mm. let me let me take two 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 people sefudi and uh tsela are calling in let let me take sefudi barbara if you just take the earphones <laughs> I see you <laughs> recognizing. Okay. Uh Sefudi, you're speaking to Barbara Masakela. Good evening, uh, uh Denzel and good evening. Uh Sibabra, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Sure. You've gone full circle. Mm. You you you've paid your dues. But that's undone. the currency that you built the brand that you built it's been undone you know and when you speak and we look around was it worth it was it worth it uh, when 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 people were from promises were made that you are not going to stay in a, a matchbox house look the new what the, 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 the so called liberation movement the, the liberators are for poor you know this dispensation benefited those who are who have been connected those who are not are still in the margins living off during this uh, a uh, 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 hefty expensive standard of living living of 350 what what did the freedom charter say or was it a, a mere pie in sky people just promised mm. but there's no fulfillment i mean listen to the so called liberators masungonyalo when they were starting to steal Openly, they said when people were starting to talk, they said they never joined the struggle to be poor. They joined the opposite of that is to join the struggle to swim, you know, to swim in wealth, to swim in money. Look at the president now. To an extent, I missed 
this poverty, hiding money under the mattress, what an indictment. Good evening to you. That's the food in Ranfontein. Seller in Boypotong? Uh, Denzel, how are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? Yeah, you are not fed, Denzel. You know very well that, uh, like, uh, speaking up than that, this food is <laughs> very difficult. <laughs> I'm so uh, sorry. I'm so Denzel, sorry, Taylor. Let, let, let me be respectful and say, Tobe la Romama. Tobe la Papa. And that, and Mama, I'm very, very worried. Uh, I just want to have your perspective of uh, your, your, your comment on the fact that uh, uh, what are you saying to, to the notion that is being created that uh, fellow South Africans uh, 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 take jobs for young South Africans uh, uh, and then the very same fellow Africans are a cause of all troubles uh, 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 if not some of them in our country. And lastly, I would like to say, Mama, uh, it's a reality that uh, this generation, Ama 2000, doesn't know about you uh, so much and doesn't know about the knowledge that you have, uh, 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 particularly uh, in relation to our history, and say, Thank you. Tell and boy put Moses in Bramley, Moses? Little did we know, Denzel, mm. that in 1994, when we queue voting for Mandela, mm. that we are inviting problems. The problem started in Pulukwane, when the looters of our resources in the name of African National Congress when they voted Mbeki out, they've been having a buzzword that says it's our time to eat. Mm. That definitely shows that now we are getting into problems. Moses, I'm going to leave it there, Moses, because I've got to give Barbara a time to react. Barbara, I think that was the, qu- the, the point you were making and leading into the kind of callers that you have. Mm-hmm. And people call and, and reflect their modern day experiences. And, and how would you react to, 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 to those particular callers? I, I, I see it in two ways. Mm. One of the things I see is that all of us were very active during the struggle, mm. whether we were in the ANC, whether we were in Soweto or Guguletu, mm. somehow or other the apartheid regime was so brutal mm. that all of us as communities played mm. a role in bringing about change. Mm. And somehow after uh, we voted, we thought everything would fall into place. Mm. And we stopped being activists. Mm. And uh, I, I think that for me, the most important thing in our country today mm. is that we have to focus on civic education mm. and that communities have to know their uh, role, mm. that we have to pressure the government, mm. our government, to 
give us an opportunity to have a participatory mm. democracy mm. where we participate and we act at all levels, whether it's local, district, mm. regional. Many of us don't do anything for four years. Mm. We just complain and then after four years we go and vote, mm. you know. And I think we should take an active role in our own salvation mm. Mm. As, a, as a country, mm. because it's our country. Mm. Would, it, would it be a sad day for you, Barbara, to see if we are looking at elections 2024 and people are talking about the ANC being out of power or under 50%, what kind of day would that be to you who has put in, as Safudi says, you've put in the miles, you've put in the hard work, you've, you've tried to build something alongside giants, and to see that movement within 30 years get to a place where it it is no, it's relevant but not as relevant to the extent that it might even be under 50%. What, what would that ultimately mean to you? It would mean that um, the people have spoken. Mm. And I think however they speak is an indication of uh, the need for change. Mm. Uh, uh, and I don't think any of us can guess. I think we, we can speculate Mm. what is going to happen. Mm. Uh, but I, I, I don't think that we can say for certain. Mm. Um, I think that the ideals of the African National Congress were very, very high. Mm. And uh, I think that uh, using those ideals, people have been able to get away with murder. Mm. But the I think that those ideals still exist, you know, for some, mm. you know. And I think that, um, as I say, for me, the most important thing is that people must get off their chairs, mm. you know. And um, do something. And, and do something. Mm. They do something where they are. Mm. What I mean, I think that if you and I were to go out and do a survey, mm. we would find that many people are just sitting back and expecting... Mm. against the the reality of what they see. They're expecting change to take place because they're angry, because they are saying the ANC is like this and like that. But Mm. that's not how change takes place. Change takes place by people who take an active role in their communities Mm. and make sure that what they want and what they need, not what they want, but mm. what they need is um, they, they are given the means to achieve mm. what is best. Let, me take, let me take Aswandini in Krugersdorp. Aswandini? Yes, my brother. Yes, sir. Uh, mama. Yebo. Mama. Yebo. <laughs> I feel like I can cry with the truth you are speaking. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is that we as the new generation are pulling different directions and if we start doing something we have the freedom do something don't wait for the government the government have given us the tools 
so we want spoon feeding and all that, and then we're going to speak with one, two, three. The yes, we have a problem, and the problem needs all of us. Mm-hmm. Doesn't need one person. And mm-hmm. thank you, Mama. for And thank you, Denzel, for bringing mm-hmm. Mama here. It's like, been... I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed about the truth, because sometimes we don't need to be walking around and lying to each other, whereas we know the truth. And the truth stays the truth. It will, it will heal you. It, 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 will, it will make you a better person because what we need as a country, we don't need to pull the, all the direction because everybody is saying, this one did this, this one did this, this one did this. And if you go to our locations, you go to all villages, people are sitting, they're not doing anything. And there's a lot of opportunities that we can create. Our mm. own hands, use our own hands, use our own minds. Our old people, they didn't have education in anything, but they used to feed us by making uh, things happen, beads and selling. And they, they, they made money. They provided for us. They took us to school with hands. Mm. So, w- Denzel, mm. I, I, I don't know what to say anymore. Mama has said mouthful. We must just wake up and start uplifting our government to be better for our future, sure. not criticize the government because, yes, we know since Pulukwane, things went sour, but we can change it if we come together, as we have changed the apartheid government and everything. Azondini in Krugersdorp. You want to comment, Barbara? Okay, we leave it at that. Barbara, I have to raise this particular issue with you. Colour, the particular issue of colour, and then the Apartheid government created something called colored people. And, and, and I'm going to go and look at your, your particular uh, lineage. Uh, Thomas Masakela is your dad. And then there's Pauline Elizabeth Bauer. And, and, and also along that particular journey, you go and you find, I think, an Irish, uh, 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 um, 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 a connection in in your past somewhere. I'm not sure. Scottish, with, Scottish, Scottish. Whether I think that's on your mom's side or your dad's side. My, my mom. The the whole issue of where people put you racially mm-hmm. has that been an issue for you in in your life? Um, a, a coloured person where the terminology only exists in South Africa and Namibia, and or you are the person that is the person who lives wherever they live and the language that they speak. Because in essence, if I went and I looked at this, I would say, colored person. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, I think that uh, I haven't, uh, for myself, Mm. I speak Zulu, Debele, Sisutu, Pedi, Kosa, Afrikaans and English. Mm. And a little French, mm. you know. Yes. Uh, oh, you have uh, to do a little French, <laughs> you know. <laughs> mm. But uh, what I'm trying to say is that uh, I think language is one of the most defining things in South Africa. And I mm. think the tragedy of South Africa is that there are whole, you know, uh, groups of people mm. who do not speak a local language, mm, you know, mm, mm. and I find that when I go to places, people talk about me and I turn around and say in Zulu or Sutu, 
hey, what are you saying about mm. me? Mm. You know, why are you saying that? Or, you know, mm. and, and I think that's where... That, 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 that's where the problem begins. It's mm. a problem of, of language. But so, also you've, so you've never been asked to identify? No. Yeah, it's never no. been forced upon you to identify? No. no mm. I mean, by whom? Mm. By, by, you know, when I hear people say something about me, sometimes people look at me and think I'm colored. Mm. And they say things about me and I turn around and say, shut up. Mm. And I say it in the language that they're speaking. Mm. You know, and they are embarrassed, you mm, know. Mm. But um, I think that for me, with my grandmother having ended up in Annadale, for instance, mm, uh, mm. Uh, and, and with some of the, the, the colored so-called colored mm. townships, you mm. know. Mm. I mean, I, I feel as though somehow the people of, 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 of mixed background in South Africa mm. have been left behind, mm. you know, and mm. partly they've been left behind because they have continued to hold on to these labels, mm. you know, mm. but also I think that... And they, all, all the labels, have, all the labels have, have just, have, have stuck, have you know, stuck. So they, they hang on to the labels, but yeah. the labels have, stuck, have also been just you know, promptly, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 and enforced yeah. on them. Yeah, mm. yeah. And uh, I, I, when I think about my, my political involvement, for instance, I think that I must have been motivated mm. by the fact that as a child when I grew up, I heard people say something about my mother. Mm. And my mother had things said against her, and she spoke back, and she could speak back in, in in any language, mm. you know. Uh, um, so, <sighs> somehow our transformation, mm. you know, is incomplete. Mm, mm. And 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 when I go to to areas where there are people predominantly of mixed race, I think. Sometimes that they've been forgotten there. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. They, they, like, but they have been forgotten in the same p- way that people in the rural areas who have no water mm. have been forgotten. Mm. The same way that the children who have to cross a river mm. because there's no bridge to go to school. Mm. The same way that children who have to walk for miles because there's no bus Mm. to take them to. The same way that old people have to travel for miles and miles to go and get their pension. Mm. You know, so colored, so-called colored people Mm. have also been left behind. They Mm. have not been integrated into mm. into the system. And if you go to some areas, as I say, mm. like, for instance, Annadale, you mm. know, it's just remained the same way. But if you go to Sharpville, you feel the same thing. Mm. Mm. That, you know, that place has just been forgotten. It mm. just, it's exactly as it looked. Some sections are exactly as they looked Way back. In 1960, you know, mm. as, as they, they, they've remained the same, there's been no development. And part of it, as a cultural activist, I can say mm. that um, we failed our communities in terms 
of not at least in the face of the economic difficulties, etc., that mm. have been, uh, you know, that that have been characteristic of 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 some societies that we do not have cultural facilities for our people. Mm. We just do not. We do not have the barest mm. social welfare facilities. We do not have enough social workers. We do not have psychiatrists, psychologists there. Mm. You know, we do not have social workers. We do not have enough teachers. We do not have enough nurses in the hospitals and mm. clinics. You know, I mean, it just, it just goes, goes on, on and, and on and mm. on, and 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 it covers every field. I mean, how many years has it been that we've been hearing of the Valdem? Mm. Or Hardepiersburg Dam, mm. which is a popular tourist, and tourism is one of the things in this country that can prove, you know, that can be a, a solution, mm. a part solution to our problems. But you, you like the Val and, and the Hardepiers, mm. those are a valuable tourism, mm. for, you know. Uh, for and just left to be. And it's and it doesn't end there. We can find more mm. around the country, you know. Uh, uh, so, and there are children who've never been to the cinema, mm. you know, because they don't know it. Because they don't know it. Because it's not there. The children who've never who don't know how it feels to swim. Mm. Many of them drown when they see the water because they don't. They've never learned how to swim. And they're supposed to to know uh, the theory of motion when they are in school. You know, mm. they've never they're children who've never ridden a bicycle, mm. for instance. You know, uh, a, 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 all those things. Mm. Barbara, know. I'm going to give Sully in Leon in Leon uh, the last comment tonight as I let you go. Also, Barbara, Sully. Uh, Denzel, I'm your guest. Yes, sir. Yeah, Denzel, I, I grew up from the township. Yeah? Mm. Actually, I started from the farm and then worked as a cutting boy mm. and then got an opportunity through this thing called the apprenticeship yeah. from uh, one of the giant companies, a parastala in South Africa, mm. and then made it to where I am. I'm not a successful man. I'm just um, living a normal life. Yeah? Sure. Now, Going to the township all the time, visiting, and then I always try to think what can be done to help the situation in the township. Mm, mm. And then I can only theorize, but when it comes to practical, uh, it is always hard. Mm. So now I'm trying to say that, I'm, and I'm not negative to those people who still have hope that something needs to be done, but we always say something needs to be done. We don't have no one... Uh, who will say that I went to this township, then earmarked this maybe block of area, and then took the youth, and then changed their life over uh, five years or ten years, and then where they are in life. We always uh, uh, go to the platforms and talk about the possibilities of the things that can happen. Uh, the only people that I can listen to uh, uh, from where I'm coming from, mm. it is the people like those who came with the idea of Orania. Uh, when, the constitution, <laughs> when the constitution said something, and then because of they had the vision, 
uh, they went for it and then today it is existing. They can show us that uh, we have built something from the bottom and then to where we are now, everything it is happening. But all of us, including those people we call the professors, the philosophers of Africa, I always hear them speaking big English, but come the, the time of COVID, then all of us in Africa, we look to the West for the solution. It does not come from Africa. So I'm, I'm having a sure. problem about how to say uh, some people who are in a difficult situation, they can do something. Even myself, on leave. Sure. I sometimes ask myself, what can I do just to keep myself busy? Something creative. It is hard to come with a solution. I'm, 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 I'm cushioned by the privilege that I've explained to you that by sheer luck, I was absorbed into the corporate world and then for, for me today to be living. Sally, I'm going to leave it there. Barbara, I think, I think yes, at the end of it, there's hope. And, and I, so, I suppose Sully creates that hope for us that, you know, he started as the garden boy and there is the creation. Barbara, there is so much to talk about yeah. and I have to let you go. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to, I have to ask and say, you know, there has to be a, a f- volume two is coming out and volume three is going to come out and you, and you are writing, right? And you're busy writing those. And as we, as you journey into those, I think me and you need to sit across each other like this more often mm-hmm. and have these particular chats about a lot of things in our country. Barbara, I'm going to say thank you so much for coming on to Power Perspective tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me and I enjoyed thank you spending very much. the time. Yeah. Thank you. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.